And it's Prooks, right? Mm-hmm. All right, good. All righty. Congrats on the uh, pronunciation. I, I made sure. I watched you on, on A Drink With Dave. Uh, just so that yeah. I could get it right, I made sure. Hey, he actually talked about that album on the right on my podcast. Which one, once, uh, uh, National Lampoon? Mm-hmm. Which we actually just discussed with Jake Fogelnest, who just left. Oh, really? Yeah, it's good. It's a fun episode. Um, did Jake Jake just left? He just left like two seconds ago. He got into my <laughs> he got into my car, uh-huh. thinking that I was his his uh, <laughs> driver, <laughs> which is really funny, and we had we. Had a good laugh over it. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to... And I was like, oh, okay, but I'm not uh, Uber. <laughs> just, so, <laughs> just so you know. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. We should probably start the show. Let's do it. I apologize. This is oh, my no, fault. no, no, I'm, I'm, Please. I, I drag it on when we get to talk about vinyl. Okay. Hey, everybody. This week, I have Mark Prooks on the show. Thank you for being here, man. Thank you for having me, Jason. Um, so, like a lot of people, I first saw you on The Office. So, mm. apologies for not having seen your early stuff earlier. That, I, any way you want to come to it. Okay, fine. that's fine. <laughs> um, they introduced your character, I feel, because they needed some, some new blood. And it was... it was You were one of the funniest things I had seen on that show ever. And so, oh, I'm, I'm very happy to, to have you here. But then I also saw Kenny Strasser, Yo-Yo Master. And I... I know we're talking about an album here, but if it's okay, if you want to take two seconds and just tell people about it, I will th- throw links up to it, but it's just one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Sure. my uh, It was one of those just weird things that ended up being big, and you never thought it would be. It mm-hmm. was just me and a buddy, Joe Pickett, mm-hmm. and uh, we came up with this idea to go on morning shows and have one of my dumb characters that, I mean, all, all the characters I do are kind of you know, earnest idiots, uh-huh. and have him just go on and start talking about his life, and and and, and he can't do yo-yos, at, you know, <laughs> any yo-yo tricks at all, and I can't do yo-yo tricks right. at all, and and so I uh, we were able to book um, myself onto these morning shows in Wisconsin and Missouri mm-hmm. um, as this yo-yoist that was coming to town to teach kids about the environment. Through the use of his yo-yo, which really makes no sense at all, um, and so I would get on and then just you know start disclosing way too much about my life, and we had written stuff that I wanted to hit. Uh huh. Um, and then if you were to watch all of them, we had planned like twelve of them. Mm-hmm. If you were to watch them all in a row, you would get a couple storylines, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of a weird way to so tell good. a story, you know, about this guy. Um, and fortunately and unfortunately, it kind of blew up around the seventh or eighth. Okay. Okay. And we were no longer able to do any more. <laughs> so, but through that, that's how I got in the office. Right. I was living in Wisconsin with no aspirations of her of coming out here. I didn't think that yeah. that was even possible for someone in Wisconsin. Right. Right. And uh, the the writers on the office saw it and thought it was funny and flew flew me out and. That's how I ended up on the show. And they wrote the. They had to have written him specifically for you. Yeah. I mean, there's. Yeah. Okay. They did. (laughs) (laughs) And they were great at it. I mean, they they had a lot of the cadence down, and they're very good about you know ad libbing. Mm -hmm. And so as long as you hit the first one or two, uh, exactly how they have written it, Mm -hmm. they really let you go off. Especially my character because he never had like. A major story. Yeah. It was always just a line here or a line there. Uh-huh. So I could 
come up with stuff too. Oh my god! It's just we just recently rewatched shows how much time I've got on my hands. The entire <laughs> series of The Office. Oh wow! Just to catch That's up great. and just see if we'd missed anything, and so our spare time was just doing that. And uh, yeah, it was it was nice rewatching and seeing them, and and just sort of remembering. I mean, again, you started on the show not that long ago, really. Technically, right? Yeah. You know, I. Anyway, I, I'm not here to kiss your butt, but I do love that character very much. We <laughs> well, are here specifically you. to talk about the two sides of the Smothers Brothers. Yes. Which is interesting that you would pick one that half of which is only straight songs. Which, Well, it you know, this album came out of my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I we had a handful, of, and this was back when we had vinyl, you mm-hmm. know. I was, I'm old enough to come out right at the end of the vinyl era. Sure. And... Um, <laughs> You know, it was this one and a couple Bill Cosby's and uh, the Button Down Mind yeah. of Bob Newhart. And, you know, so the music, it's, you know, they're really cute, pretty folk songs sure. about a sailor and about peaches and, you mm-hmm. know, about stuff kids like. Yeah. And so, yeah. and, you know, they, you don't understand the er, the earnestness of folk music back then or sure. its faults or anything. You just think it's cute. Yeah. And but the other side, the the comedy side, you know, I, I mentioned earlier to you, I it wasn't until a couple years back when I started re-listening to them mm-hmm. um, that I realized how much I was influenced um, by uh, Tommy. And yeah, it's just incredible, like his his. Um, his incomplete thoughts yes, and yeah. his his segues and digressions <laughs> and you know what he discloses mm-hmm. and about them and their family you get little snippets <laughs> and you you start to patch together that you know a quilt of what this guy his character is yeah and also it's you believe him for sure for sure and I, I always, I, I do always wonder. I mean, if you, we also talked about, we both seen the movie Smothered, uh, mm-hmm. the great documentary. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of sibling rivalry here and there, if only because they're so different. Yeah, you know, they're very different guys. Yeah, um, Tommy being very earnest mm-hmm. and like uh, political, mm-hmm. and Dick not being as much. Just you know, he wanted to be a folk artist, yeah, and they kind of. Um, I mean, there's a story that I've read somewhere along the line uh, where, you know, when they were first starting out and Mm -hmm. doing shows, you know, like at the Purple Onion and stuff, you know, they had, they had, you know, friction between them. Yeah. Which is, you know, obviously so strange for two brothers. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) And it started to play out on stage. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where their shtick came from, which is the best way for it to come is organically and just out of, you know, and people liked it. And so they started just doing more comedy Mm -hmm. instead of the folk music. And, you know, that's that's where it was where it came out of was their friction and their differences. It would have been really interesting to hear that evolve, though, because my first instinct is that (laughs) uh, Dick is just going to be the straight man would not bother making the jokes and tom knows all right i'm gonna have to play this as dumb as possible it's got but it's got to evolve you know yeah oh definitely but you also see the man interviewed and he is very kind of add he is kind of all over the place so that comes from him yeah but to turn that into stupid is a very different 
thing, you know. Exactly. And, and I'm. Do you again? You say you. You also said you've sort of subconscious, unconsciously stolen some of it. You know, we all do that. Yeah. Do you, can you? Do you know specific? Like you said, cut off thoughts and stuff like well, that. Well, even you know? in the you know the first track, chocolate <laughs> is, you know, just this absurd story that he's telling of he fell into a vat of chocolate while just walking down the street one day and you know it's and then he goes on though to talk about what happened and how it happened as plainly as he's talking about a tractor Uh you know to another farmer or something and that just that understated tone and uh, about something that's kind of weird mm-hmm. but he doesn't think it's weird right. you know he's just right. walking you know and and that i've definitely stolen and talk mm-hmm. you know talking in like the k-straw stuff about you know my child rearing my stances <laughs> on child rearing you know and how my grandpa or daddy would get a switch if i were not bad and i'm i'm you know terrified of him to this day Yet he's saying that that's good. You know, right. you know, he's just very confused and but talking about these like very uncomfortable um situations and then silences and mutterings, sure. you know, I stole from him and and Newhart. I mean mm-hmm. uh Newhart, you know, his cadence is just perfect, oh, yeah. you know, even to this day. I don't get it. I don't get how you stay on the ball with that shit. I, I don't either. I just it's it's really phenomenal. I, I you know, and to some extent, I think that's just him too. You sure. Know? And and I would also argue that you know that the dumb idiot Kastras character mm-hmm. or the earnest idiot from you know Nate on The Office. I mean, there's parts of that that are in me too. Right. You right. Know? And yeah. so you heighten that, and yeah, and but that's for me what I've stolen from those guys, you mm-hmm. know, and to a lesser extent, Kaufman also, which is just silences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you build up this tension, and it, like when I've done stand-up as k it's mm-hmm. a lot of silences, and <laughs> you always hope something comes, yeah. you know, of it. Mm-hmm. And it usually does when there's that, that tension. The uh, song my brother would like to sing now was written in the first person by a man about 150 years ago. It's entitled, Hangman. Hangman, hangman, slack your roll. Hangman, hangman, slack your roll. Slack it for a... Ah, short. <laughs> Do you, is that something that, and I did not know that you did stand up as that character. That kind oh, yeah, of blows yeah. my mind. Once in a while, not too often. It, yeah. yeah. Is it, do you, and I, this has just come up on uh, the last few episodes. Is there any interest in the aesthetic of discomfort, which is what it feels like Coffin was going for? Um, yeah, I mean, Coffin, I, and I, you know, I, I don't want to sound too pedantic here. I, I feel like Kaufman did it as almost as a performance art. Sure. Whereas I'm not going into it with such lofty aspirations. I'm 
playing a character who's not good on stage. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and and the discomfort that comes out of that yeah, I mean there there is some of that. Mm-hmm. I I'm sure for the audience, sure. I don't necessarily go for that. Yeah. There are moments on stage where I don't know what I'm going to do next. Yeah. And or I don't remember the next bit I'm going to do. <laughs> and so I'm literally on stage thinking of what I'm going to do next. Yeah. And if that builds tension, that's great. Of course. You yeah. know, yeah, and yeah. I'm sure it does, but <laughs> It's the idea that this character is not a stand-up, mm-hmm. and he's not good on stage. He isn't good with people. He's not a showman, and so any tension should come out of the character. Yeah, is it fun to disconnect <laughs> like that though? From oh yeah, not being yourself. Oh absolutely, but doing the thing that you normally do as yourself. Like that's weird. yeah. I mean, I yeah. I, I've always I've never had a problem like being too stressed when I'm in a character nervous. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like even on the office my first day was it was a scene where it's just me mm-hmm. and I had never been on a TV set in my life. Right. And I'm supposed to knock this beehive <laughs> out of a tree that's in front of the office. Mm-hmm. And so I get there and I finally meet like the crew mm-hmm. and there's no other cast members but the cast members are watching. Shit. And I had to perform, and but as soon as I kind of just like realized, okay, you know, I've been doing this stupid guy for most of since I was in middle school. Uh-huh. You know, just do the stupid guy and don't worry about the rest of the people. And that was the same way with the case dress coming into the station. I was always in character oh God, from yeah. the moment I got in. Yeah. And I just wouldn't get that nervous because as soon as I get nervous, the character's going to break, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then I'm going to feel like an idiot, sure, and an amateur and just a sophomoric performer, mm-hmm. and that's where I get embar- would be embarrassed. Of course, of course. Yeah. God, that just—it's it, one of the—that's one of those things that performance under pressure that must. I mean, it's the kind of thing that blows me away. It must have been the thing that just sucked people into wanting you to be on their show. It's like, this guy can do anything <laughs> under pressure. Well, like, I don't know. know about that, but it was... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm lucky that, you know, we we created something that a lot of writers enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And so they did want to, you know, include me here or there, and I've been lucky through that, you yeah. know, that the character is so beloved. and yeah. And, you know, and it's something that, you know, we were offered to go on late night shows and we didn't do it yeah. and just wanted the character to really exist. And, yeah. and I think people, if, if it's not overused and not overexposed, mm-hmm. you know, in an, another couple of years, I can do it again. Sure. Yeah. And people will enjoy it for as much as they did the last time mm-hmm. three years ago, you know, or yeah. four years ago. Um, and that's really how my whole philosophy towards creating characters is. I don't want to overexpose them. I, yeah. You know. That's that's a commitment that a lot of people don't have. Again, <laughs> we're talking a lot about commitment here to a certain reality. To, right. You know what I mean? And that, I mean, that's it's part of what makes a lot of actors actors and makes some of us crazy, you know, is right, that, right, right. <laughs> this commitment to something that isn't real. But I mean, that's, again, that's what makes people laugh. But that's, to me, what's so funny. You yeah. Know, or funny about a character, you know, or what makes me respect a a certain comedian or, you know, like SCTV, their commitment to it being a television network. Yes. That's just struggling Mm -hmm. and brings in all these oddballs to fill up their airtime. Yeah. 
and that they never broke from that, to me, that's far funnier than any other sketch comedy right. that, that I've ever seen. Yeah. You know. Did, were you exposed to all that stuff in the first round? I mean, you're from Wisconsin, you said. Right. So were, were you watching that stuff? I was watching like, it on um, in repeats. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick at Night would do oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a block of SCTV right. and then a block of Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And, you know, I mean, for me, I always found the SCTV far more funny, mm-hmm. funnier because the characters were allowed to grow, mm-hmm. you know, and come back and reappear. And, yeah. And that, to me, was a lot funnier. But I still, I mean, Saturday Night Live also was a huge of influence, of course. Yeah. Do you know when the first time you heard this album was? I don't because... It was in the house? It was in the house. Okay. I mean, my parents had bought it probably when it came out. That's awesome. And they okay. weren't big comedy nerds or anything, but uh-huh. they just really liked the Smothers Brothers. And um, and so I'm sure I took naps to the, the music side uh-huh. and then discovered, you know, the the comedy side. Um, probably when I was six or seven or five or six, my brothers would be playing it. Yeah. So just like with Bill Cosby and Newhart and stuff. Was that stuff all in the house too? Yeah. Yeah. So just sort of, sort of the stuff that we all get, maybe, well, not all of us, but a lot of us are fortunate to hear when we're young. Exactly. Just puts this weird, I used this word earlier, but this weird patina of comedy over us where, you know, it's yeah. undeniably there. And you can, and, and you reference back to it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, consciously or unconsciously, you know, when you're judging other comedians or you're doing your own stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I I, I'm always amazed when I'm talking to someone that's, you know, a, a pretty big name comedy person, mm-hmm. stand up or actor, and they don't know a lot of the history I know. of comedy. And I don't, I don't understand how you can, you, you don't want to learn your con- the context of what you're doing, or you right. know, the the history of it has always been so crazy to me that you wouldn't know that even you know yeah and And same with musicians you know definitely that they don't know certain bands or certain you know they just are like oh no i just like this and you know it works for them sure sure i mean that's one way of doing it i just i i wouldn't be you know i i want to know everything about it you know i'm less interested learning comedy several generations removed i like to go back as far as i possibly can you know right right even if it's stuff that i can't necessarily I don't find funny instinctively because for me it's been done a million times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why some people I find probably can't still get into the Marx Brothers. But I love the Marx Brothers because I put myself in the frame of mind why this was funny when it was funny. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and with the Marx Brothers also it's just creating that world where yeah. these types of people could even exist is yes. funny to me. Right, yeah. You know, this, oh, this is okay for, how do these people eat? How, you know, right. how do right. they, right. do they have a bank account? You know, uh-huh. I mean, that, that type of stuff. And that's why, like, for me, W.C. Fields oh. is my, like, my go-to. I love the Marx Brothers, mm-hmm. but I feel like W.C. Fields is, for him to be able to exist every day in his movies is just really funny on its own to yeah me. yeah <laughs> that's a really good point do you um did you pick did you ever go out of your way to pick up more smothers brothers after you listen to this or was it just a thing that was... oh no absolutely yeah. i mean uh live at the purple onion their first one mm-hmm. you know and and uh you know and i remember 
in 88, I think, or 87, they had kind of a reboot of yes. Mother, uh, Smothers Brothers uh, Hour. And that really influenced me again. Mm-hmm. And, re- and I just remember laughing every, you know, every time I watched that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot harder than any other show. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, again... Uh, made me go out and by then it was like the best of the Smothers Brothers and sure, Rhino sure. and all that. So. Yeah. Do you have a historically a favorite Smothers Brothers bit? Um I hate asking that question, but I'm always curious if people do have I mean one. there's certain things out of, you know, a handful of of skits that I really like, but I mean again I think it probably go I think chocolate again goes <laughs> is to me just that and boil the cabbage down yeah where it just goes on and on and it just starts to go into these digressions that are so you know bizarre yeah and and so far removed from what they're just trying to do is sing a song (laughs) right right and but like chocolate again just this the the image that it paints and then just with the the candor and uh uh, everyday um, way he's talking about falling into a vat of chocolate <laughs> while he's walking yeah. down the street. I mean, that to me is just so funny. And I, I yeah, I think that one is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, and I went back before I when I we were talking and listened to it again, and it's just brilliant to this day. Yeah. It's still just no one does that. I fell in a vat of chocolate. I fell in a vat of chocolate. What you do when you fell into the chocolate? Lolly doo dum, lolly doo dum day. Well, I fell in a vat of chocolate. I just fell in a vat of chocolate. Wait a minute. You just said you fell in a vat of chocolate. I know I fell right in this vat of chocolate. I know, and I asked you a question. I said, What did you do when you fell in the chocolate? I swam a lot. There's a. It was a, a 30 foot vat and we just full of chocolate. 30 foot across? No, deep. It was 30 feet deep, full of chocolate. And I fell right into it and I. I, I well, what, did you, what happened? What did you do after you fell in? Why? Well, I, uh, I, I even hate to think about it because it was uh, no, a terrible serious. experience. What did you do? Falling. What did you do to get out? Yeah, I just uh, walking down, this, uh, down by my house there and there's a. <laughs> there's this uh, vat of chocolate over it. You know, I think the closest to that type of in a weird roundabout way the closest to that type of humor that's around now would have been or is Zach Galifianakis doing his kind of his piano bits Mm -hmm. you know and going off and digressing (laughs) and but even that's a stretch Mm -hmm. you know because those are a, a feel a lot looser mm-hmm. and you know he's not playing off of a straight man yeah so it's but it's just not done right now no you know? and, and the, the other thing too is they're really not 
like you say, they're they're struggling to to sort of get through a song. They're they're not always and mostly not funny songs until it gets maybe to the end when they've decided to work rework the lyrics. Right. But it's just the speaking through it, or one of them decides to change the lyrics in the middle of it to be a dick to the other one. Yeah. You know. Or he starts. You know, he points out how pretty it is. <laughs> or you know, and this is all Tommy, and and or he talks about. Um, like even just saying he doesn't like the song, yeah, I don't want to do this. Song. I don't like it. You know, I mean, yeah. just that irreverence towards folk music, especially folk music, yeah. which takes itself or used to take itself so seriously, mm-hmm. and to me is one of the reasons I really can't get into most folk music right. now right. is their lack of you know uh, humor in it mm-hmm. and lack of and just their. The, they think it, it's um, so important, you know, the right. self-righteousness of it and stuff. <laughs> and they were making fun of that yeah. back then. Yeah. You know, I, the worst crowds to perform for comedy-wise are at, like, indie rock festivals. I, oh, I bet. I bet. Because <laughs> they, they, they really can't laugh at themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, that's how it must have been in the folk for sure, you know, to the plane to those folk crowds, mm-hmm. you know, at in Aspen and stuff where these guys would right. play, you know it. But you know, they they really it, it worked for them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. One second. <laughs> this happens usually once an episode. I had a question for you and I lost it. Oh no, it's me because I'm meandering on. No, no, no. You're allowed to. Uh that's the whole point of it. The. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. And then there, there's one where, he's, where he tells him to take it, Tom, and he just refuses. To oh take yeah, it. I love. No. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> you know? Which also I love on like in the improv world, which I did not come out of. But in the improv world, you're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. It's was it yes and yes and yeah. yes and and he's just no. And they they show that that shouldn't be a rule at all. <laughs> right, it, right. Some of the funniest stuff is to not do it. Yeah, as long as you're both something. in it. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. oh, that's so good. And as long as you've got a good straight man, which, you know, he by, by either choice or just, you know, just had to do it. Yeah. You know? I mean, you can't try and be funny if... If, if he's being funny. Yeah, it's if they're impossible. both goofballs, it would not work. Oh, it would be the worst. You know? and, and also just the picture that they paint, which is uh, Dick always looks like just a Boy Scout, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, that just won a new merit badge. Right, right. And Tommy looks like he can't get through, you know, a school report or right, something. Right, right. You know, and that's just so funny mm-hmm. on, its, on its own, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the... It's the buddy comedy, you yeah. know, and it's that's why like I always I always found like uh, uh, like Tommy Boy to be funny, mm-hmm. you know. It's the straight man and the idiot, of course, you yeah. know, and that, yeah. it just works, and it always worked uh, for you know? sure. The the uh, son of a bitch, I did it again. <laughs> no, uh, the um, give me a second, I'm gonna pop. So um, the. Uh, What's so funny, and it's not you don't find it as much in this album, maybe, is they did get subversive in some of these. You know what I mean? Like even almost not dirty, borderline though. Like there's one I can't remember which album of the many they they released it was. There's a bit where Tommy says this song was heard on Sing Along with Bitch. 
You just said sing along with bitch instead of singing. And like I was like taken aback the first time I heard it. I'm like, how do you get away with that? Yeah, I think that's on uh, live at the Purple. I think Island, it is. First, yeah, you're right. You're right. So I, it just shocks me that they got away with that. And I almost feel like it was. Because you couldn't quite hear it. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you right? You do hear it, but then everyone knew back then, sing along with Mitch. Yeah, right. You know, and so it may have gotten through because mm-hmm. there's laughter and yeah. you can't quite hear it, but you distinctly know what he's, you know, you do hear it. Sure. I had to go back, you know, <laughs> and listen to it to make sure that's what he said. And they weren't like activists really at the time, but it, you could hear. There's seriously, seriously, he wanted he wanted to push buttons even if he wasn't didn't want the reaction yet. Right, and know? that's so weird. Even on that first album that he was, or that they were, you know, kind of toying with censorship, mm-hmm. and and I think that you know. F- the folk artists of the time were singing it on the, you know, talking about it and singing mm-hmm. it on the nose and, and it was in their songs and mm-hmm. they were very, uh, earnest about it. And these guys, you know, though they weren't doing straight folk songs, they were still toying with the conventions of the sure. time. Sure. Yeah. You know, and even more so once they got their show, mm-hmm. um, then they were, you oh know, that was, and, 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 and to, about the show, I mean, so many people don't or, or don't know who came out of that show as right. writers. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, Rob Reiner, mm-hmm. Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. Back when his hair was still black. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And that was because of Tommy. And yeah. he was pick, choosing writers, you know, that he really liked or comedians that he really liked. Yeah. And who were either, I guess, really far out there or really pissed off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, which is so weird to the idea that Rob Reiner and Steve Martin could have been in a room together ever actually kind of weirds me out because they're not the same. No. And you know what? I think that they were partnered up <laughs> so as writing partners. Back then. Yeah. Oh I think God. I remember uh, reading that. Cause in smothered, you see that footage of Rob Reiner looking like this doofy little kid, yeah. you know, and you know, Steve Martin was, you know, he's, he's a grown man at this point already, yeah. you know, cause he's, <laughs> I always forget how old he is. It's just so right. weird to see those two guys Yeah, with probably, I, I have to imagine, in very different points of view. Oh, I would. You know, one guy that. maybe putting a layer of weird, goofy, out there shit on top of, you know, the point that could get yeah. could get too heavy. Which yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess it did by the last season. It was a little much for people, but yeah, it it, it became uh, you know a v- preachy. Yeah, you know, yeah. but again, they would have the who on right on the same episode with uh, Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Right, you know, right. and so it, it did kind of from, you know, from what I've seen, it seems to straddle between, you know, the the conventions, yeah. you know, and yeah. the, the hawks and the doves. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it did seem like they tried to appeal to, you know, the, the conser- a little bit of a conservative crowd with some of sure. their guests. Sure, yeah. But their humor wasn't. Oh, yeah, And definitely. their music choices weren't you mm-hmm. know Joan Baez and right. all those you know uh uh counterculture uh youth culture mm-hmm. uh bands at the time right i mean on. it was them and uh, later on you know sort of i i i prefer this to laugh in but laugh in's great you know like sure. you put this in laugh in sort of in the the closest thing we've got now is sort of The Simpsons, where somebody will come on, it's right. this cute appeal, but, like, they're so fucking subversive, it's, like, undeniable, yes. you know? Yeah. In the in the shroud of 
a family show. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is what the Simpsons have been doing for, for know, sure. 20 plus years. And that's kind of what the Smothers Brothers, I think, knowingly mm-hmm. were doing. Yeah. You know, having these guests on that would appeal to your, you know, that appeal to your parents at the time. Right, right. And then, you know, having uh, uh, John Denver come on and do kind of a, you know, anti-war song. Mm-hmm. So... And it's it it is it is one of those just weird evolutions of a comedy group that you don't again you just don't see it's it's I don't know what else to compare it to except for the Beatles, you know what I mean? They start out as kind of straight straight lace rockers, and they become these like sexy revolutionaries. Yeah. You know? And I I can't think of another. I, I don't want to just draw a hundred percent parallel to it, but no, that's clear. That, you know? I, I've never thought of it that way. You're at you're I think you're right, and uh, or. Yeah, and, and and I mean, you could argue that like musicians change, like Bowie changes, but Bowie mm-hmm. changes for fashion. Yeah, right, right. You know, Bowie changes to stay relevant, mm-hmm. and the Beatles and you know Smothers Brothers and you know uh, they changed because they felt differently than who they were ten years ago, right? Or when you know when they first started. Mm-hmm. And you're, that's that's a. I think that's a apt comparison. <laughs> boil that cabbage down, boy. Turn that whole cake brown. Only song I ever did sing is boil that cabbage down. Boil that cabbage down, boy. Turn, turn that whole cake brown. The only song I ever did sing is boil that cabbage down. Take it, Tom. No. <laughs> Tom, now I wish you wouldn't have done that. When I say take it, you're supposed to step forward and start singing, and it makes a smooth, smooth song, really fast, hard hitting. And when you say no, it just <laughs> ruins the pace of the whole thing. I wish you wouldn't do that anymore. Now you step up there and take it. Why don't you take it yourself? <laughs> we didn't rehearse it that way. Oh. Take it, take it! <laughs> Sing. Start singing the song. Now cut it out. Did you ever have the chance to see the Smothers Brothers live? I did not. No? Okay. No. Did so you said but you did say that your family wasn't necessarily like a big comedy family, but they had the stuff around. Yeah, they had the stuff around and you know my my, my parents are funny and my dad's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um and so there was always you know, humor in the house and mm-hmm. stuff, but we wouldn't sit around and listen to them. They were just around. Yeah, and you know, I, th- I think that's a, a real service they did. Yeah, you know, to all of us. I have three older brothers, and mm-hmm. they're all very funny. You know, and I think having that exposure early on mm-hmm. does kind of help form your you know your your taste and your preferences and right stuff. yeah i do i i it's i always like to ask people about that kind of stuff on the show because sometimes they've had the, the stuff shoved down their throat where yeah, their parents are like, yeah you need to listen to this right now right but then sometimes it's like some people's better for them to discover it on their own it feels more like their thing right? yeah you know did you share it with your brothers or was it your thing was this more like you know i i i did share like cosby a little bit with my brothers okay. i remember us sitting around once listening to it but but the Smothers Brothers and especially Newhart, that was just me. And yeah. I was, you know, I was quite a bit younger than my two oldest brothers. And so okay. they were, you know, listening to 
cool things that mm-hmm. you know music and stuff that I never really had taken a shine to you know yeah. like um for you know for me it was always like beach boys and older stuff sure. and, yeah. instead of like kiss or you know stuff they were listening to yeah. which at the time was newer um <laughs> um but yeah it, you know it did feel kind of personal and like the album was they were in my room yeah and stuff like that that's you awesome know, which you know you start to to take an ownership over and my friends weren't listening to um interesting and stuff like that so it does feel like you've discovered something um and that it's they're talking to you and that's your own yeah yeah know? did you now i know you said that you obviously you did seek out more obviously you know a lot of their right. stuff now most of their stuff if not all of it was it something that um all right, so <laughs> uh, you, you listen to this stuff, and 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 uh, you kept listening. Did, was it did it become a thing where you're discovering more comedy by listening to them, or were you specifically did you go out and read stuff and study up on comedy, or was it just more absorbing it as a, a blossoming artist? Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't think I was too much of a student, and I, I, I mean, I, I, I would discover stuff as it came along mm-hmm. you know Woody Allen uh, a Woody Allen movie and then find out more about Woody Allen sure. find out he was a stand up mm-hmm. and then listen to that um, but it wasn't so much me trying to find you know oh if you like this then you need to listen to this this and this mm-hmm. because it's way better than that right I never did that and I, I feel like I, I have you know, I have a couple friends who are just brilliant encyclopedias about comedy. Yeah. But I think it, it can stunt you a little bit yeah. and keep you from doing your own thing. Sure. Maybe. Sure. Looking back, it wasn't what I was thinking then. Yeah. You know, yeah. I wish I had that encyclopedic, you know. <laughs> right. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think it was more just discovering stuff as it came along. Okay. You know, and the older you get, the more resources you have to go out and find new things and discover you know uh, movies and Mm -hmm. and acts that aren't part of the you know they're a little bit more of a subculture yeah i feel like it's different for comedy and maybe again this is just me thinking this because i love comedy so much but you can go into a record shop Say who should I listen to if I want to da 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 da. They don't know anything about comedy usually. Exactly. Not to insult them, but it's just like that's just a section that's here. We know there's some nerds that buy this stuff. But yeah. We don't know. You know, we, I can say Lenny Bruce. That's about it. You know what I mean? Right. So it's it's very different. It's why it becomes I think so personal for people. It is very different, and and I think it's you know it it's one of those things that in the 40s and 50s and 60s, you know people didn't go out to shows unless they lived in you know new york san francisco los angeles you know in the midwest this is all they had for exposure this and then you know as soon as the tonight show started coming along sure you know that also lent to exposure and Mm -hmm. so people would sit around you know at parties Mm -hmm. and listen to these albums and that kind of died away you know and went away in the 70s and and then it it came back a little bit in the 80s with the stand-up resurgence. Sure. Um, but it's not like you sit around at parties anymore. And mm-hmm. so it is kind of uh, um, almost an archaic type 
uh, 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 hobby almost. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. And so uh, a lot of these names have been lost, which is why, why what you do is great. I hope so. You know? I hope it, you know, people learn something new. You yeah. Know? Do you collect a lot of vinyl or do you just have these few that you grew I up don't. With? You know, I, uh, it, it's weird. I do have uh, a lot of comedy vinyl back in Milwaukee because mm-hmm. when I moved out here for the office, I just, I didn't bring anything. Of course. Yeah. I just, they wanted me that next week Jesus. and I had no money. I was broke and and so I drove my car with uh, some clothes. Shit. And oh my God, man. <laughs> and so I have a storage unit in Milwaukee with all, still with all my belongings. I just haven't brought them out, yeah. you know, and it's, um, and so my collecting and stuff has died off. No, I bet. Just because. You have to work. For a do. long time, <laughs> I was living in a room in a apartment. Yeah. You know, and I was broke, you know. Yeah. And I. I, I keep thinking I need to go back and bring out some stuff. Well, it's less of a necessity because it obviously still means something to you and can remember it all. And we're lucky. <laughs> yeah. We're lucky we can still remember And And, you know, I still have downloaded the ones I have of course. really loved, mm-hmm. you know, and so I just, iTunes is great for that. It has tons of stuff. And mm-hmm. so you can just go on there and buy it and it's, I don't need to hold it right now. Right. You know, and maybe when, you know, I make some money, more money, I can... Sure. And I have a house, I'll have a room, and right. I can have my... everything I want. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, this is a... It's a crippling addiction. <laughs> I want to say that. <laughs> well, it, it... Yeah, it's... It's... It's weird. I just saw this Huell Hauser before I came over. Uh, this Huell Hauser episode where he goes to... Uh, uh, Fran- F- Frankie... Anchor, Anchorman, Anchorman, this scion of like sci-fi oh, okay. and, and uh, horror, and this guy's house. You know, he was the president of all these sci-fi clubs uh-huh. and horror clubs. His house is just a, was a, a museum. Oh shit! Yeah. And it was like a mansion. Uh-huh. It had like twelve rooms, and it just and. It, oh, it can God. be. It just seemed very claustrophobic. Uh-huh. But at the same time, you have this compulsion. It's a weird compulsion mm-hmm. to collect things, yeah. and I, I have it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so I'm afraid to go back to Milwaukee totally and get this stuff that. because as soon as I do, mm-hmm. you know, I'm back into my world of collecting. And, and it's like you have the one album here. That's one seed. <laughs> yeah. If you have a pack of seeds, you can eat for a very long time. Right. You know, and that's horrible. And it, it is. It's. This is one of the albums I, you know, just brought with. Yeah. You know, I brought like 12 albums. Yeah. You know, and... Do you ever listen to comedy to get inspired, or is it something you have to be in a mood for? Because I know most people are need music. No, I, I do. I mean, I'll... I'll yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll... Like, before I'll do... Like live, some live gigs, I'll go back and listen to these guys really? and listen to Newhart and listen to or watch like uh, Galifianakis at the Purple Onion. Yeah, oh, that's such a good show. <laughs> yeah, it's just brilliant. And I'll I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that wow. and while I'm writing. And, um, you know, the character, the case, it's the case Ross character that I do is just so easy. It's weird. It's so easy for me now to fall into and just mm-hmm. do. 
and come up with stuff on the spot yeah. in that character that you know when I'm listening to these guys or something I'll think of it like a K-Stress bit okay. based off of that sure yeah you know or you know a funny segue or a non sequitur and stuff like that mm-hmm. through these guys or Newhart and stuff I feel people get afraid of doing that though sometimes they f- they are afraid of stealing too much where a seed is a seed though yeah I mean I'm not you know the I'm not too worried as long as if I were doing it just on my own as myself writing like comedy for my own for Mark Prooks to go up and do a Mark Prooks act mm-hmm. then I'd be worried. Yeah. But since it's Kestras this you know and it's a character I know what what would work in his world and his world I mean it's a unique thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't worry about it too often, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm my biggest critic and I'm my biggest, you know, uh, checks and balances when it comes to like that character. Sure. And so if I feel like it's a little too uh, derivative or um, or even too far or too goofy, I, you know, I'm, I'll act it. As I walked out in the streets of Laredo. God, that's beautiful. <laughs> Do you feel anything? <laughs> As I walked out in Laredo one day, I spied young cowboy all dressed in white linen dressed in white linen as cold as the clay I see by your outfit that you are a cowboy I see by your outfit you are a cowboy too we see by our outfits that we are both cowboys. If you get an outfit, you can be a cowboy. <laughs> are you musical at all? I'm, I'm always curious. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I did music <laughs> stuff. Yeah, in my twenties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm just always curious because uh, it's one of those things to do musical comedy. It it's hard to call. Honestly, it's almost hard for me to call this musical comedy. It is, but it's they're not, again, like we said earlier, they're not doing funny songs. Right. Um, did you ever try and mix music and comedy? I didn't. And, you know, it was a weird thing for me to <coughs> feel like I could do both. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always struggled thinking I couldn't do not just musical comedy, but just music or comedy. Yeah. I always felt I had to do one or the other. Okay. And I don't know why. Yeah. You know, I, I have no idea why. And now, you know, I have friends that do both very pretty successfully, uh-huh. you know. And I just, I, I always thought that there had to be, like, this disconnect between the two. I see. And I guess, thank God I did, because <laughs> the music was no good <laughs> going back, you know. Uh-huh. and But it is a weird thing, you know. It's It's the old adage that, every comedian wants to be a rock star and every rock star wants to be a comedian. Sure. And I don't know why that is. I don't either. It is so true. Yeah. You know, even to this day, I mean, it's just, 
it's true. Knowing how hard it is for so many comedians, because I'm just a writer and an actor. I'm not like mm-hmm. a stand-up or anything. Knowing how difficult that is, I don't understand the desire to be a stand-up. Like, I could never do it. I, I, I Okay, I do sort of have a desire to try it. Sure. But, but because it's only a desire to try it, I should not do it until it's a need. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and yeah. I, I don't understand what it is where musicians want to be a funny person. A lot of them are funny. Like, there are a lot oh, of really yeah. great, oh. amazing musicians out there Absolutely. who, like, all of a sudden turns out they're brilliant. Yeah. You know, and that pisses me off. <laughs> but, you know. But they're not doing stand-up. Right. But they get to be funny during their show, sure. you know. Two very different things, I guess. Yeah. Do you... Um, I want to make sure... Okay, let's let's have you condense this. If no, If the audience, someone in the audience hasn't heard this album before, maybe hasn't ever heard the Smothers Brothers before, how would you condense why they should listen to this album? What's important about I it? I think this album, Two Sides of the Smothers Brothers, or for that matter, any of the Smothers Brothers albums, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with the Smothers Brothers, you're going to be so surprised how modern it still seems, yeah. their humor mm-hmm. still seems today. You know, it's not hokey old right. jokes that just have you know have been told a million times right i think you'd really be surprised at you know there's this whole uh was it anti-comedy or you know movement yeah today that you know that people attribute to zach alfanakis and those you know and that's great sure they're do- what they're doing is brilliant mm-hmm. but you know the smothers brothers that was, you know, anti-comedy for back then. Yeah. It was, you know, not jokes. Right. These are their characters and their their stories, you know, about yeah. their lives. And, you, and that's what's so interesting to me is that they're not just going up singing goofy songs or going up and singing or telling goofy jokes. Yeah. There's no jokes. Sure. You know, <laughs> it's just stories that are hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're they're playing them off of each other in this like sibling rivalry, you know. But they're playing characters. Yeah, I mean, they really are. And to me, it's just so modern. It really is. And the humor is, you know, it has that awkward humor. It has um, uh, ridiculous humor in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it just works so much still today. Yeah. You know, and and I would I would love to go see them live today because I, I can't imagine it's changed that much at all. I saw them live a little less than ten years ago and still fucking on it, man. And yeah. they were making fun of George Bush, but like again, right. not heavy handed either. They were nailing it. They just they're so fucking good. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing is that they they do it in a way that they're beloved. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you love those characters and you know, you know what they're saying is subversive mm-hmm. or political, but the way that they're doing it is just uh, with such like it's, it's very soft. Yeah, you know, it's very careful, mm-hmm. and they're they're taking into consideration all sides. They have their view. Yeah, but they're not trying to alienate anyone. They're sure. trying to, you know have fun with a very serious topic it's a fine line that's really hard to walk and i it's and again, very few have done it no and that's why i that's, mean you think <laughs> you go back and like lenny bruce wasn't able to do that right and jack parr wasn't able really to do that mm-hmm. and 
and I, their career suffer from it. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always, I've always been confused by, or not confused, but just, I don't understand why you would want to alienate any of your any any of your uh, fans. Yeah, you know, and and I think they understood that. And yeah tried that's why they would have like i said mickey rooney on the same night right as you know the who you know it's this very square character actor yeah that your their grandparents would like to see <laughs> right right along with you know this raucous you know out of control rock band yeah this has been awesome i really appreciate you i hope i didn't on. didn't Dribble on. Are you much. kidding? No, 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 no. It's it's no. I rarely talk. I, I I rarely talk comedy. Uh-huh. Like even with my friends, are comedy friends. Yeah. Because it's, it can be. I mean, you come off sounding like a pompous ass. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know. But when you when you were like, do you want to do this podcast? I was like, finally, I get to come off <laughs> be a pompous ass in. For people that want to hear it. Right. So exactly. that's perfect. Thank you, were, you and, for having me. And you're welcome to come back if you want to talk about any other album. You oh, I, I, even if as you, know, as you can tell, I can go on and on about anything. <laughs> I'm just really glad you picked the Smothers Brothers. No outside guest out of like our old core people mm-hmm. have ever picked a Smothers Brothers album, which oh, that's blows great, my then. mind. I'm happy that I was able to do that. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Do you, uh, you should put plugs, shows, I have Twitter. Nothing. I have nothing. Nothing. I mean, I have a Twitter. You have if, a Twitter. If you want, you'll find it. If you want, to find it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that classic Midwestern understatement. Um, this. <laughs> yep. No, I mean it's you know I have nothing to plug. <laughs> well, if nothing else, go watch those videos. Go watch the Kenny Strasser videos. Yeah, I think people will like them if they haven't seen them. The Office is on Netflix now, so watch all yeah. those episodes. Uh, it was the last two seasons, right? You, I did the, the last three. Three. That's right. Yeah. Holy Which crap. was great. I mean, yeah. it was so fun, and they were friends, still friends now, which is amazing awesome. for a guest star, right. as you know. Right, I mean, right. coming on, so it's good. for a core cast to yeah. embrace someone is great. So I was very lucky. The line about his quote unquote hearing problem, just that whole thing, that whole run. That just... was Mindy Kaling. Yeah, uh, came up with that. <laughs> Nate has a hearing problem, and uh, and there's a line in there where he he. He hears cookies and says cookies. He doesn't know what cookies are, but he can't wait to try them. <laughs> he was... can't. He can't determine from context. That's right. just so good. Yeah, it's, that's amazing. Yeah. So now that was Mindy. She was. <laughs> she wrote it brilliantly. I think. I feel like they did need a character. Oh, everything okay? Yep. All right. Uh, I feel <laughs> that's staying on the podcast. Uh, I feel like they needed a character that was as dumb as Michael. Uh, in a different way. You yeah, know but I mean? still had that same earnestness yeah, exactly. that Michael had. Exactly. Because yeah. they couldn't make that the office manager again. You know? Oh, God, no. You no. know, it wouldn't have worked. But, no, uh, and, you know, I mean, he's just not... He's funny <laughs> if... He's funny not having an A or a B story. You right, know? right, That's right. perfect character, <laughs> you know. Thank you so much. For oh, thank you. This was awesome. This was awesome. This was really fun. Everybody, thank you for listening, and as always, have a good thing. Comedy 
on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. Thank you.